Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is June 16th, 2022, and our first story, the canary in the coal mine. A New Mexico county is refusing to certify the results of their election. And leftists fear that come the November midterm or 2024, Republicans en masse will just not comply. Many are looking to Steve Bannon's strategy of taking over the election with poll workers and lawyers as a sign this may come. If Republicans en masse refuse to certify the election, it's going to be chaos. In our next story, a leftist group has announced they will be pushing for a terror campaign against pro-lifers. Already, 13 pro-life pregnancy centers have been attacked, vandalized, or even firebombed. And now they're calling for more violence. And we're seeing Democrats encourage protest. In our last story, Brian Stelter of CNN may be fired. Woke liberal media is collapsing. CNN is saying enough. And the ratings are in the gutter. If you like the show, give us a good review and leave us five stars. But share the show with your friends. Tell them about it. Word of mouth is the best way to help us out. Now, let's get into that first story. I'm genuinely surprised I didn't see this story coming. I've sat down with many individuals who believe that the 2020 election was improper, to put it mildly. I've sat down with Steve Bannon and argued with him. I think that Joe Biden won the election. I think Donald Trump was effectively anti-elected. That is, people were voting against him. The enthusiasm against Trump was greater than the enthusiasm for Trump, at least according to several polls. I personally thought Trump was the right choice. But with many people casting doubt on the election, we are now seeing in New Mexico, Otero County Commission refusing to certify votes. This is leading many Democrats to be outraged and also fear that come the midterms, something worse could happen. Again, I'm surprised I didn't see it. Now that I see this story, I feel like it's so obvious. The potential that come the midterms in November, Republican counties and mass refuse to certify the results of the election for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's a long shot, but it just happened here. Now, it's just one county. We've had many primaries and everything seems to have gone off without a hitch for the most part. Donald Trump seems to be doing well. So the good thing for Donald Trump and for the right is to roll with the red wave. But what if? What if the results aren't what Republicans expect? 
What if despite a crippled economy and food shortages and gas prices through the roof, Democrats are winning? I think it's still possible. I think it's very unlikely, but hey, I don't know. Maybe the media narratives work. I can't say for sure. And if that does happen, will there be Republicans who refuse to certify much in the same way that we're seeing now in New Mexico? I don't know. I really don't. But I think this is a possibility, if not in the midterms, but potentially even in 2024. I think the the likelihood of this in 2024 is more so. It's possible that we see a red wave in November. And then into 2023, the economic crisis deepens. And the American people say, well, look, you've got Joe Biden and you've got Republicans. You've got Democrats with some power, Republicans with some power, and maybe they don't assign blame to anybody. There was a Washington Post article that said losing the midterms is good for Democrats because then they can basically pit the blame on Republicans if the economy doesn't improve. But with Joe Biden as president and without a veto proof majority, Republicans can't do much of anything. But in the eyes of the public, they'll say, look, Republicans have a decent amount of control in the federal government. And so do Democrats. Whose fault is it really that things seem to be getting worse? And that's where things get interesting, because then maybe come 2024, maybe it's not Joe Biden, maybe it's Kamala Harris, but maybe a Democrat wins despite a crippled economy. I'm not sure if I believe that that would happen, but I don't know. And if it does happen, do you then see Republican districts just all refuse to certify? Now, look, we're dealing with one county that's not certifying. A Supreme, uh, the Supreme Court of New Mexico has now ordered them to certify the results. But what happens if come 2022 or 2024, we see, I don't know, 300, 500, 1,000, all of these counties just saying, nope, we're not doing it. Then there's no results. So what do you do? I think we're dangerously close to conflict, to civil war. You've heard me say it a long time, but I just want to say at this point, I don't believe it is fair to say that I was wrong, at least until now. I think it's fair to say there's nuance and maybe I'm not completely right about everything. I certainly don't think I am. But now we have numerous stories of a fear of a civil war. And the weirdest thing is Fox News running a story outright saying a civil war is breaking out. I didn't include that because I was like, what do they what do they mean by this? Well, I think I could pull it up still. But you've got a squad leftist congressman saying that if the Republicans win, civil war is, is, is a risk we are facing. You've got a new poll coming out, Daily Mail reporting on it. Half of this country believes there will be a civil war in their lifetime. I wonder, does that include the older demographic? And if it does, among the 18 to 54 crowd, what percentage of them believe a civil war is coming? I'd imagine it's probably closer to 75%. We have the Fed raising interest rates. Home Depot CEO warning you better have non-perishables and cash reserves because it's going to get worse than you realize. We have this viral video of about 10,000 cattle all dropping dead. Official report is heat. Many deny it, but maybe it was just heat. Either way, we have the story from a few months ago. Millions of chicken being, chickens being culled over diseases, a chicken plant being burned, and the fear about all these food processing plants that are being burned, whether abnormal or normal. The food supply is strained. The war in Ukraine is making things worse. It seems likely there's going to be no food, no gas, and your money won't buy you anything come August, let alone November. That stands to reason if that's the case, people are going to vote Republican like crazy. So I don't see this, this story about Republicans refusing to certify as being as being a great as great of a concern as many people might believe it is. But I believe we should take a look at this because this might not need to happen in all of the Republican districts, but what if it happens in the Democrat districts? 
That's when things get interesting. 28 seats held by Democrats are toss-ups expected to probably go Republican. What if in these areas they don't certify? I don't know. Let's read the story. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work. Go to TimCast.com and in the top right corner, you will see a button that says sign up. Click that button, sign up for however much you can to support our journalists that are writing the news and fact checking every single day. And you will get access to exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL podcast. Last night, we sat with Dennis Prager and talked about religion, spirituality, God, science. It was very, very interesting. We disagreed a little bit. I think you'll get a kick out of it. But we also have a massive library of all of these different episodes with tons of people, including Steve Bannon, Alex Jones. So check it out for sure. And don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share this video right now everywhere you can to help support the work we do. Grassroots marketing is the most powerful thing you can do. And if everybody who watched this video or uh, or listened to this podcast shared it, we'd be bigger than CNN and Fox News and MSNBC overnight. Here's the first story. The canary in the coal mine. New Mexico clash hints at looming election crisis. Otero County Commission's refusal to certify votes over unfounded doubts blatantly flouts state election law. Well, that's the question. Will people just say no? There's an incredibly important standoff playing out in New Mexico right now, says The Guardian, that is setting off loud alarm bells about the potential for overturning a future American election. The clash is taking place in Otero County, which sits along the New Mexico-Texas border and is home to about 70,000 people. Donald Trump overwhelmingly carried the county with nearly 62% of the vote in 2020. On Monday, the three-member county commission refused to certify results of the state's June 7th primary. In their meeting, the commissioners, all Republicans, didn't cite specific reasons for taking the extraordinary step of not certifying the contest. Two of the commissioners referenced generalized concerns about voting machines from Dominion, a company that has been the target of numerous conspiracy theories about the election. The third commissioner pointed to ineligible voters casting ballots, but didn't cite a specific number of votes he was concerned about. I'd like to point something out. This is an inevitability. We have proprietary voting machines. That's insane. Now, I don't believe the conspiracy theories, and I think people kind of lost the plot, a lot of people. I think there are questions around that Time magazine article, the shadow campaign to fortify the election. I think there are questions about lawsuits and changes to voter rules and things like that. All that stuff, I say, I don't like it. I don't like it. But these weird conspiracies about Dominion and Venezuela and China and CIA shootouts in Germany and satellites, calm down, dude. But I will say, I'm glad this is bringing light to the fact that we use voting machines that have proprietary software on them, meaning we don't know what the software does as members of the public. The code needs to be open source. Now, I don't know if I agree with these these commissioners not trusting it, refusing to certify, but I certainly think it was inevitable. If you have proprietary machines that eventually people are going to say we don't know what's on them because nobody likes losing. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. 
That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. They're going to say for months, baseless claims about fraud have been percolating in Otero County, which voted overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. The county commission commissioned a review of the 2020 election by inexperienced people who wound up making inaccurate claims about the county's voting machines. The county commission has since voted to get rid of all Dominion voting machines and count all ballots by hand, which experts warn is less reliable than a machine count. New Mexico law already requires a post-election audit, which the state completed in 2020. Quote, I don't trust Dominion, period. Vicki Marquardt, one of the county commissioners, said during Monday's meeting, I don't have specific examples that I can point to other than the recent audit in the canvas and the uncertainty of what was produced, said Coy, Coy Griffin, another commissioner. Griffin is the, count, is the founder of Cowboys for Trump, who was convicted of a misdemeanor for entering the U.S. Capitol complex on January 6th. His sentencing is set for Friday. It's a canary in the coal mine for what could be coming in November and 2024. Maggie Toulouse Oliver, New Mexico Secretary of State, told me. She said she'd never seen anything like this before. Quote, what we're seeing in Otero County is a complete breakdown of the rule of law and the democratic process. This isn't just about one little county in a state of two million, uh, a state of two million population. It's about what happens as a result of this. What model are they setting for other similar entities around the state and around the country? This is bad. And I'll tell you why. The fraud narrative has suppressed the vote. So doubt on our elections. I, I certainly think people play dirty games. I certainly think that there's fraud and there's impropriety and we need law enforcement to go after it. I don't appreciate Democrats acting like none of it ever happens, but I certainly don't think it's as crazy as most people do. And I think Donald Trump in 2016 is proof you can win. I mean, that was a wake up call. I was disenfranchised until I saw this man pull it off. Now you see the wave of pro-Trump populist Republicans winning. Donald Trump's endorsements overwhelmingly winning. Right now is the time you need to be saying, go out and vote. Voting works and you're going to win. The red wave is predicted by everyone. The last thing we need is people sewing down in these machines. Because you know what? What happens when you get a red wave so shocking that Republicans take, I don't know, a supermajority and then Democrats say, you know, those things Republicans were saying, we kind of think it was right. Then you start getting more challenges to elections. And instead of just saying you, we should have, you know, public source code voting machines and a hand count, you end up with people just saying, nope, system's broken. Let's shut it all down. I'm not, I'm not all about that. I think right now the fraud narrative is harming Republicans who are on the cusp of major victory. We see it across the board in the polls. Now's not the time to be, to be, to be sowing doubt. But it is what it is. Let's read. Local officials across the country, citing shaky claims of fraud or a lack of confidence in the results, could simply refuse to take the step of certifying elections. 
People who deny the results of the 2020 election are making a concerted effort to take these take over these little known positions from poll workers to local canvassing boards to secretaries of state. Now, that's fascinating. Well, let's advance the story here. Timcast.com reports Republican counties ordered to certify primary by New Mexico Supreme Court. The Otero County Commission expressed concern over the accuracy of the Dominion voting machines. Well, okay, they've got to certify it now. We'll see if they do. But this brings me to the story they fear from June 1st. Steve Bannon's election takeover dream is starting to take shape. Recordings obtained by Politico suggest the GOP is embracing the precinct strategy promoted by the former Trump advisor and right wing podcast host, a plan that could lead to chaos at the polls in November. Embracing the precinct strategy, reports Vanity Fair, promoted by Steve Bannon, the GOP is reportedly preparing to sow chaos in the 2022 election by creating an army of poll workers and Republican lawyers to challenge voters in Democratic precincts, according to recordings obtained by Politico. The Republican National Committee has been recruiting and training poll watchers to contest votes and building a network of party-friendly attorneys to help them. The operation has been cast by Republican officials as an effort to even out par- uh, to even out party imbalances among poll workers in urban centers like Detroit. But its true aim seems clear to gum up the Democratic process in Democratic areas and lay the foundation for results to be challenged in swing states like Michigan that were key to Joe Biden's victory in the 2020 election. I seem to recall an article from Time magazine called The Shadow Campaign to Save the Election or something to that effect. They argued that CEOs, big corporations, prominent individuals came together to try to figure out what they needed to do to defeat Trump. And they did. The article even calls it a conspiracy, which implies illicit activity, which is kind of creepy. Now, I think what we saw was rules being changed a year out from the election. Republicans had ever op- every opportunity to pay attention, but they didn't. And so when the rules changed, Republicans found out at the last minute, got angry, and the lawsuits went nowhere. Many of most of the lawsuits, I'm pretty sure, were thrown out on standing grounds, not merit, which is interesting. The strategy from Steve Bannon is more so If they've got poll workers, if they've got poll watchers and they've got lawyers, we need the same thing. Well, you do. It just goes to show it's escalation. And I don't think there's any way out of this. You are going to end up with a split country. Key areas where Republicans control election boards refuse to certify election results. And same thing is true for Democrats. And then people just say, "Okay, there's no election. What do we do? Now, again, I think it's bad news because it looks like Trump's starting to win and regular people are realizing, yo, Joe Biden is bad news. We do not want doubt being sown about in the election. But I do think Steve Bannon is right. Getting people active in the electoral process is a good thing. It's crazy they're framing it as a nefarious thing. Bannon's basically like, hey, guys, get involved in your local elections. And I'm like, yes, you should be. It's remarkable, isn't it? Look at this. The undertaking illustrates the extent to which the GOP is institutionalizing Donald Trump's 2020 election lies and provides a glimpse into the party's efforts to hijack the infrastructure of the election system. This is completely unprecedented in the history of American elections that a political party would be working at this granular level to put a network together, Penniman said. It looks like now the Trump forces are going directly after the legal system itself, and that should concern everyone. Democrats have tons of lawyers that were filing tons of lawsuits. Republicans also filed lawsuits, but it's shocking that Republicans are engaging in the electoral process with legal means and poll workers. Is it because they didn't used to? I think I want to mention, you know, uh, 
I was reading. They say in the wake of the 2020 election, Trump and his allies mounted a relentless effort to contest the results in several states he lost. Under the new operation, the party could essentially do that in real time with trained poll workers. I can only recommend that everyone get involved. I don't care about your political party. And they're going to mention, quote, it's going to be an army. This is their plan. There are other things I think are taking shape that will bring about chaos. This may just be one of them. In this story from the New York Sun, shut down D.C. protest group plans to blockade Supreme Court on day of possible abortion ruling. Well, that's illegal. You cannot protest at the courts or the home of an officer or a member of the court for the sake of swinging the the results. Not like anyone's going to do anything, right? So that's coming. We have this from Politico. The Supreme Court could foster a new kind of civil war. With three decisions this month, the court could break the back of Washington's authority over regulation. Then the battles over some of America's biggest issues shift to the states. Whatever. A new kind of civil war, perhaps. Well, leftist congressman, member of the squad, Rep. Bowman, predicts civil war if GOP takes control in midterms. Yeah, that rhetoric sure is escalating. A lot of people like to say that I'm crazy and I was wrong. I love it. I absolutely do. It's fascinating to me that in 2018, I said I felt a civil war was coming because of what we were seeing in terms of political escalation between the younger gener- with the younger generation. I had conservatives tell me that I was crazy because the security state would never allow it. The intelligence agencies would never, never allow it. America was too strong. And I said, it, it, it's ridiculous. Civil war happens when the culture war divide reaches the highest level of government. Then I had leftists who mocked me and said, this crazy guy thinks it's a civil war. What an idiot. Then they tried framing it as though I was calling for one. Certainly not. If anything, you want to call against this man. You want to return to uh, bickering on wedge issues. Not this. But then several things started to happen. And one of those things was Donald Trump's challenging of the election. And they said, this is a coup attempt. It's a coup attempt. And I said, you remember when I said the culture war is going to reach the highest levels of government? And it did with Donald Trump. I wasn't I wasn't making a bold prediction. I was looking at what happened two years prior with Donald Trump's election. Then January 6th happened. And now they won't shut up about it. Now the left is claiming civil war is coming. And I think it's fair to say. Strong likelihood. The New York Post reports most Democrats, Republicans say U.S. democracy won't last. Well, they say something else. The poll found that 52 percent of Republicans, 50 percent of independents and 46 percent of Democrats believe there will be a civil war in the United States in their lifetime. Okay, so about half of each voting bloc, about half the country thinks there's going to be a well, more than half. If we're looking at 52 percent of Republicans and Republicans make up a quarter or so of the voting bloc, it's been going up. So let's say 30 percent. Democrats are like 35 and independents, I think, are like 40 yeah, more than half the country. What I'd be will, what I'd like to see, <clears throat> excuse me, remove everyone over the age of 55. And what does that number become? I'm fairly certain that number will skyrocket. And you'd be looking at two thirds, two thirds of the younger generations believing that we were on, we are en route to some kind of civil war. And there are many reasons to believe that it will come. The Daily Mail reports, so this is the same story, a poll conducted by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Oh, I'm sorry. This is actually the older story. Okay, so excuse me. This story from the New York Post is a Yahoo News YouGov survey. This story from the Daily Mail is an SPLC 
Tolchin research story from June 1st, which found basically the same thing. All right. Harvard youth poll finds young Americans are worried about democracy and even fearful of a civil war. Okay. NPR. Imagine another American civil war, but this time in every state from January. All right. Here's a story. Here's where I think we need to start paying attention to what may actually trigger something more serious. Let's start with the food. The Kansas City Star reports thousands of cattle suddenly die in Kansas. Officials say heat is to blame. They say, according to Reuters, it could be about 2,000 animals. But the Kansas Star, which absolutely is NewsGuard certified as one of the most credible, says the number could be much higher, up to 10,000 or more, according to DTN, an outlet that specializes in agriculture industry analysis. While heat stress deaths are known to happen, they don't to this scale. This is a very unique and unfortunate event. Cattle are generally hardy animals and able to handle heat, but there's a limit. The problem in this case is that temperatures were high during the day, but didn't drop at night, or at least didn't drop far enough, largely due to uncharacteristically high humidity. Hagen said, this worsens with consecutive days of high heat, and as such, the cattle couldn't get any relief. Take a look at this, a video of all of the cattle just slumped over and dead. Now, I don't know if you can eat it. I don't know if you can do anything with it. This is devastating. Ian Miles Chong tweeting out, extreme heat caused it. Robbie Starbuck says, they did not die of extreme heat. I talked to multiple ranchers since I saw this video, and they all say this needs to be investigated ASAP to get to the bottom of this, because there's no way heat caused 10,000 plus cattle to drop dead. It's not normal. Now, that's an opinion. We don't know for sure. It may just be heat. As they mentioned in the article from, I believe it's the Kansas City Star, that high humidity and extended periods of heat. And look, these cattle are, are all black. So they're absorbing that sunlight. Perhaps they just needed a good old water and hole. Or maybe something else happened. Maybe they got sick. Maybe we need to pay attention. Take a look at this from CBS News. Egg laying facility in Iowa kills 5.3 million chickens fires 200 plus workers. Why? Rembrandt Farms, where the mass slaughter took place, uh, one of the wealthiest Iowans, yada, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Animal rights activists are in arms over reports that a chicken farm in Iowa killed more than 5 million birds after detecting a case of avian influenza. Could it be that these cows got some kind of illness? Yeah, I think heat stroke is probably just the likely answer. Simple solutions. I do think it needs to be investigated. But let's get back to the bigger picture, why I'm bringing this up. 5.3 million chickens. We got ten tens of thousands of chickens killed in a, in, a, in a fire. You've got these cattle. You've got stories of all of these food plants being damaged in fires or warehouses and distribution centers. I'm not saying that that's happening more than normal. A lot of people think it's a new thing. It may be comparable to every year. Fires happen and we have a lot of food facilities. But regardless, now is not the time. The point is, these stories are still relevant because we're facing a food shortage. From News Nation Now, fourth generation farmer, food shortage is coming. You think? Yeah, if you've been listening to my show, you, I, you know I've been talking about this for some time. They're going to say, after Wall Street's tumble into a bear market Monday, with rising interest rates sending the S&P 500 more than 20% below its record, one fourth generation farmer is warning the worst is yet to come. People are going to see the rising cost of food in their local grocery stores in the coming month. Along with a farming background, Boyd Jr. is the president of the National Black Farmers Association and a member of President Bill Clinton's Tobacco Commission. Farmers are feeling the pinch from high cost of diesel fuel and fertilizer 
Truckers are feeling the pinch and you have a certain region in the world that's not planting crops at this time in Ukraine. So there's going to be a shortage of wheat and commodities that they've been producing there as well. Well, the Federal Reserve's plan to raise interest rates, a blunt tool that risks a recession if used too aggressively, and we're in one as far as I'm concerned, is supposed to remedy a fast rising inflation. It also it's also souring sentiment for shoppers across the country. They're going to mention all of these things. Eggs are up 32 percent. Poultry, 16.6. Milk is up 15.9. Fats and oil, 16.9. Overall, the cost of food is up 12 percent, the largest increase since 1979. That means if you did not get a raise of at least 12 percent, you got a pay cut. To be fair, if you didn't get a raise of 8.6, the official inflation rate, you got a pay cut. You didn't literally get a pay cut, but your money is not going to go as far. The challenge is that if you didn't get a pay raise, the company likely isn't bringing in more money. Now, look, I believe if a company is seeing profits increase, they should make sure they're covering the cost of inflationary raises for their staff. It's not always that easy. Here at Timcast, for instance, we aren't seeing revenues go up. We're actually seeing revenues go down. Why? Because with inflation, with, with, the, with the economic devastation, there's less advertisers. Advertisers are willing to spend less and our revenues begin dropping. How can we then afford to pay people more money when we're making less money? Now, of course, we can cut back on investments and we'll, we'll, we'll likely end up doing something like that if we can't find a way to grow the company. But we're in a recession. Fortunately for us here, and thanks to all of you as members at TimCast.com, we're doing well enough. We are. But I always say to you guys, as much as I as much as I love, appreciate, and need your support at TimCast.com, I really do hope you're taking care of yourself because, you know, we're only doing this because of all of you and for all of you, as much as it is for myself, to be, to, to be completely honest. I mean, look, I enjoy doing the work. I enjoy making the money. But for the most part, I enjoy just calling out the lies and the manipulations. But I, I can only do it because you guys support it, because all of you watching. If you think it's worth uh, supporting, then support it. But if you need to support yourself, dude, I totally get it. We'll find a way to make it work or maybe not. What is the most important thing right now as there's the potential for midterm chaos, the political divisions, food, fuel shortages, inflation? It may come to a point where you say to yourself, with this 10 bucks, I'm sorry. I got to buy my family as much food as I can get. And that I understand. Boyd went on to explain that staples such as corn, corn syrup, and soybeans are all types of products local farmers produce daily, which in turn helps place the major products on the shelves that shoppers are accustomed to seeing. You know what, though? Personally, cut back on the corn syrup. A lot of corn, corn products, soybeans. I think people eat a lot of garbage. That is to say, some people have no choice. But here's where we're headed next. Fed rate hike will have devastating impact on consumers, former Home Depot CEO warns. Bob Nardelli urges sustainable habits in the wake of the Federal Reserve's 75 basis point hike to tackle inflation. I would tell the consumer, make sure that you're building up cash reserves. Build up a supply of non-perishables in your home. Make sure that you're prepared for sustainable inflationary periods. Nardelli's remarks came ahead of the Federal Reserve's announcement Wednesday, which stated it will raise 75 basis points, 0.75. The Fed's decision comes in response to record high inflation. Quote, every time you go to the store, what you're going to see is they're going to be, is they're trying to avoid sticker shock. So you're paying $5 for something for a consumable item. 
The fact is you may have 10, 20, 30 percent less in that bag or in that can. So that's really the inflationary number that doesn't always get accurately reported in the 8.6 percent. This is the important factor. Shrinkflation is not in that number. When they say food is up 12 percent, you know what they're not telling you? There was this, there's this guy who posted this video where he shows a box of cereal. It's like 14.5 ounces. And that was like a year ago. And now it's 12 ounces. But they're the same box, same price. So they say eh, the cost of cereal hasn't gone up. In reality, it has quite a bit. But not only has it gone up, it's gotten smaller. Inflation is much worse than all of you realize. Well, actually, most of you probably realize, but the average person probably not seen it. I bring this up because I believe what will truly lead to major conflict. It is not just that people don't trust elections or that you have political conflict and violence. It's that people are going to be hungry. Hungry people are scared and scared people can react violently. In this story from Fox News, I found this one hilarious. Backlash. Why media are targeting Trump aides testimony as civil war breaks out. I thought that was a bold headline, to be completely honest. Donald Trump's former attorney general, Bill Barr, said the president was detached from reality. Howard Kurtz writing, civil war is breaking out. Okay. They're just outright saying it. I call this political civil war. What's happening with the January 6th committee? What's happening with the arrest of Ryan Kelly in Michigan? What's happening with with the uh, Democrats going after Republicans? The smears, the lies, the media manipulations? Yo, it's a civil war. For now, it's confined to the political space. Call it civil strife or whatever you want. I don't know how it manifests, but I know that you have people right now protesting illegally in front of a, a judge's home. And protests can be illegal. They can, like blocking a road. But you get a slap on the wrist, they arrest you and you carry on. Doesn't You know, I, I've seen tons of people have gotten court supervision charges and they, they arrest you and say, you can't do this, go home. Instead, what we're seeing now is them saying, we don't care if you do it. We don't care at all. The neighbors of Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett and many others Demanding justice, not getting it. Now, these protesters are targeting the school where Amy Coney Barrett's kids attend. Her children. Where do you think that leads to? A dark place. I think the Supreme Court, too scared, in my opinion. But we'll see. I think they're scared. They may capitulate and then end up not overturning Rowan Casey as as they're expected to do. It seems like they're gonna and they know it and they're just waiting as long as they can and and drawing out the story and trying to quash it and avoid the shock when the story drops. Or that's that's what I've said. Or they're giving activists time to stage. The Supreme Court draft opinion was leaked, showing that they intend to overturn Roe and Casey, send abortion back to the states. Some people believe it was leaked so that the Supreme Court would be forced to uphold that early draft. If they change their mind now, it'll look like they were swayed by the riots and the violence. Kavanaugh will look particularly pathetic. Maybe it was leaked um, by the left to shock everybody and let them know what's coming. Maybe that's it. Maybe they want time to prepare for mass riots and to organize. I don't know. I can only tell you the factors are here. And that's why people believe it's coming. The canary in the coal mine. 
I don't know if we'll see decertification or refusal to certify in the midterms, but it could happen in 2024. I guess we'll see as time goes on. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Can't believe this story. It certainly must be fake news. The leash is off. Abortion activists behind attacks on pro-lifers issue new threats, urge others to burn. I just can't believe it. The left being violent? It's the far right, according to the January 6th committee. And all of these Democrats keep telling me that the far right is the dangerous element we have to be scared about because they want civil war. The reality is, you know, that's most of it, mostly a bit. The reality is the leash is off, they say. They've already attacked 17 pro-life pregnancy centers. They're planning to attack more. And it's, it's just absolutely insane. I think the story about 17 anti-abortion centers getting firebombed, it shows you what their real intention is with their politics and with the violence. I do not believe that these people are simply pro-choice. We have another story here. I want to show you this. Kavanaugh neighbor describes horrific experience dealing with aggressive pro-choice protesters. They're not pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. When you have pregnancy centers and what is their intended mission? To give resources to expecting mothers who can't afford it. When you have that and they firebomb it, all that does is make it more difficult for expecting mothers who are struggling to uh, have a child. That doesn't stop or, or I, I suppose it would push women towards abortion. Isn't that weird? Why would you want to do that? If a woman wants to have a kid, she wants to have a kid. See, that's the point. The existence, in my opinion, of pro-life pregnancy centers does not inhibit a woman from getting an abortion if she wants one. So why attack them? Why go out in front of Kavanaugh's house and terrorize his neighbors? Why threaten to kill Kavanaugh himself? Try to. We have another story here. The California man indicted on one count of attempting to assassinate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. This is the reality of what's going on politically. The Daily Caller reports a statement that appears to be from the violent pro-abortion group Jane's Revenge was posted online Tuesday saying the leash is off. I, I thought the leash was already off because 17 uh, pregnancy centers had been attacked. Sure. The leash is off for attacks on pro-life operations and declaring violence until pro-life groups shut down. The statement was posted to a website appearing to belong to the group and promised violent attacks on pro-life organizations such as crisis pregnancy centers. Quote, we promise to take increasingly drastic measures against oppressive infrastructures. Rest assured that we will. And those measures may not come in the form of something so easily cleaned up as fire and graffiti. Sometimes you will see what we do and you will know that it is us. Sometimes you will think you, are me you merely are unlucky because you cannot see the ways which we interfere in your affairs. Jane's revenge appeared to take credit for a Molotov cocktail attack on the offices of Wisconsin Family Action in May. Numerous other pregnancy centers have been attacked, including the Capitol Hill Pregnancy Center, which was recently vandalized in June with Jane Says Revenge spray painted on the building. Of course, now, uh, quote, our recourse now is to defend ourselves. I love how they're saying that. And to build robust, caring communities of mutual aid so that we may heal ourselves without the need of the medical industry or any other intermediary. Through attacking, we find joy, courage, and strip the, the, strip the veneer of impenetrability held by these violent institutions. They're defending themselves by setting fire to pregnancy centers. These people are evil, period. 
Another pregnancy center was vandalized with the words Jane's revenge and quote, if abortion isn't safe, you aren't either. Why? Why are you attacking an organization that's simply helping impoverished mothers get resources? Amazing. They say Oregon Right to Life, a pro-life organization in Salem, Oregon, was attacked with Molotov cocktails last month. Oh, you know what? I just got to say, fine. You want to play this game? I'm telling you, this is bad for you. Violence does not help your cause, period. I mean, you take a look at how people feel about Donald Trump in January 6th, and although many are just completely over it or don't care, the reality here is that this will scare people. We saw it after the Black Lives Matter riots. We're going to see it now. The statement comes after the group apparently posted a statement to abolition media on May 12th, calling for pro-life groups to close their doors when the next 30 days, citing low patience and mercy for groups attempting to take away what little autonomy they have left. The group also posted a statement following the vandalization of several pro-life churches in Olympia, Washington, saying it's easy and fun to attack. The Department of Justice did not immediately respond to the Daily Caller News Foundation's request for comment. They go to mention it's been updated to include the fact that Jane's Revenge appeared to post a statement containing threats to pro-life groups on its own website. There you go. So here's where we are now. Kavanaugh neighbor describes horrific experience dealing with aggressive pro-choice protesters. They're not pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. Call them pro-death. Call them whatever you want. Pro-choice is like, look, if you want to go to a pregnancy center and get support, you do your thing. If you need uh, to get an abortion within a certain time frame, you do your thing. But pro-choice always had limitations. It always did. Today, they claim to be pro-choice, but they're substantially more extreme than the pro-choice ever was. So I don't think that's fair to call them pro-choice. Fox News reports, a neighbor of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh says the pro-choice protesters who have marched multiple times a week down their street in the evening have shaken up residents' homes and disrupted their lives as they detailed the alleged abuse received by neighbors from protesters while saying authorities have done little to help them. The neighbor who spoke to Fox News Digital on condition of anonymity said that while there had been intermittent protests before, they picked up after the leak of the draft court opinion that would overturn the Roe v. Wade abortion ruling and Casey. Let's not forget Casey. The neighbor said that it was overwhelmingly people from outside the area who were organizing the protests, not people from the area, and specified how it was both a regular occurrence and organized. They are people who come from out of the area. They have a staging point in a parking lot fairly nearby. Protesters typically appear two evenings a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays and come in the evening around 7 p.m. when many of the local residents are putting their children to bed, a task made difficult when loud protesters are marching up and down the street. See, the interesting thing here is this is illegal. It's outright illegal. And these people want to know why the law isn't being enforced. It's because you live in anarcho-tyranny, but I don't think that's necessarily fair to say. I think it's because you are subject to a violent revolution that doesn't seek to uphold the law because they seek to gain power. That's it. And upholding the law subverts their power. Quote, they say it's not. Uh, that's when people are putting their kids to bed. There's little kids who live on the street. It's a horrific experience, the source said. It's not great if you have kids of any age, but it's unbelievably stressful. And the kids are, are very upset. The kids have to be sent inside and it's so loud you, can, you can't put your kids to sleep. They pick the exact time and they don't care. Literally, there's no way on a Wednesday night you can put your kid to bed. While there are ground rules set by law enforcement, the source said protesters are loud and intimidating, with chance that warn of riots if they don't get what they want. And there have been instances of protesters abusing the neighbors as well. Quote, they have drummers, they have a megaphone, and they chant. 
They yell all kinds of things. They have told neighbors, F you, F your children, things like that. And so they're abusive towards the neighbors and intimidating. They go in the street. We've, uh, they go in the street. We've been told that because they will move eventually when a car comes down the street, they're not technically blocking the street. The resident notes that there are noise ordinances that limit things like leaf, bl- leaf blowers. And yet those ordinances are apparently not followed by the protesters. So where are the police? That is a local issue. What we've also been told is that this is behaving within the bounds of the law. And the only law that could be enforced is the federal law. And they're not supposed to protest outside the home of judicial officers. But the federal partners declined to enforce that law. It's about time you realized there's a revolution taking place and you are you are being beaten down. Joe Biden knows, doesn't care. Jen Psaki encouraged illegal activity. They continue to encourage illegal activity and they're not going to enforce action against what they encourage. The neighbors stressed that lots are rel- uh, that the lots are relatively small, meaning the houses are right up near the street where protesters are yelling and chanting. There's nowhere to get away from it, they said. I think people are very concerned that if there isn't action taken, that this will escalate in a way that is very unpredictable and very unsafe. And that's what's so discouraging. It is, it, it, oh, that's what's so discouraging is the fact that there just doesn't seem to be anyone in a position of leadership or authority who is considering those issues and acting on them and trying to look for a solution rather than, rather than just allowing the possibility to escalate. Considering the threats of violence, and the assassination attempt, you would think they would do something about this. Take a look at this. Officials have expressed concern about the security situation related to the leak of a draft opinion. A recent Homeland Security Department report said the draft opinion has unleashed a wave of threats against officials and others and increased the likelihood of extremist violence. That was highlighted on Wednesday when Nicholas John Rosk was arrested early Wednesday near Kavanaugh's house in Maryland after threatening to kill the justice. Police said he was carrying a gun a knife and zip ties and a crowbar and other burglarist tools. Some may have expected that the protests would have helped would have held off in the wake of the arrest of Rosk, who was later charged with attempted murder of Kavanaugh. But within hours of the arrest, the same evening, the protesters were back. They had a lot of camera crews, obviously, who were here for the news. So they came. They had more drums, more noise. They were very, very loud, very, very aggressive. They dance in the street as well. I mean, it's very unnerving. And there's no consideration given to the neighbors. We're just expected to take it. No, you are the target. They want you to join them out of anger. They want you to cave in and say, if Brett Kavanaugh just does what he's told, they want you as residents to pit yourself against Brett Kavanaugh to force him to take their side. They want to destroy his community life and his home. We've been told repeatedly Just anecdotally, like in casual conversation, you can't engage with these people. They have no filter. They will have no regard for your personal property or your personal safety. So don't engage with them. So we're basically being told that these people are not safe. It takes away your sense of security. We have no idea who could embed themselves in this group of protesters. The neighbors stressed that no one was blaming Kavanaugh himself for the protests that have descended upon the area. Him and his family are suffering more than than the rest of us. Bravo to them, to the people who live here from resisting the pressures and the terrorism to the best of their abilities. The neighbor also challenged politicians who believe that such protests are fine because they are peaceful and open to the neighborhood, uh, open up their neighborhoods to similar protests and make their addresses available to the public. Let people know and encourage them to come to your neighborhood and do the same to voice their views because it can't be selective. If right wingers went to the homes of these federal authorities, they would be arrested on site. 
they would be arrested instantly. Even with everything we're seeing, 17 anti-abortion centers have been firebombed since last month's leaked Supreme Court. Andrew Barkas, a Republican representing the Olympia, uh, the Olympia, Olympia in Washington State Legislature, had his Olympia office attacked around 4 a.m. Monday's attack was the 17th so far on a pregnancy support clinic or an office of a pro-life figure. Okay, so it's not just pregnancy centers. It was not clear whether he was deliberately attacked for his beliefs, for his beliefs. The same group of people were also seen ransacking a nearby antique center 20 minutes later. Uh, I don't know if that's political. Maybe it is. It could be that the antique center was the people who live there are conservative or who work there. Two masked people were caught on a ring camera installed outside the building, breaking a window with a hammer and throwing a lit flare into the building. Why would anyone, anyone want to live in these areas is beyond me. There were no injuries and no one has claimed responsibility. The Department of Homeland Security also warned last month of the rising risk of violence. Quote, threat actors have recently mobilized to violence due to factors such as personal grievances, reactions to current events, and adherence to violent extremist ideologies, included, including racially or ethnically motivated or anti-government, anti-authority violent extremism said a National Terrorism Advisory System bulletin issued on June 7th. Given a high-profile U.S. Supreme Court case on abortion rights, individuals who advocate both for and, uh, for and against abortion have on public for- forums encouraged violence. You see, this is the problem with the federal government. It is not pro-lifers going around right now committing acts of violence. It's pro-abortionists. Vandalism at pro-life centers since May 2nd. Now, Daily Mail is a little wrong on this. As they already mentioned, it's pro-life figures, it's pro-life affiliated groups, because you have politicians as well. But take a look at this. This is crazy. Well, maybe, maybe this one is specifically pro-life centers. You've got Seattle, you've got Salem, you've got Eugene, you've got Wisconsin, you've got Des Moines, you've got Buffalo, D.C., Reisterstown, Alexandria, Asheville, Hollywood, Denton, Austin, and Anchorage. So that's 14 14 different pro-life pregnancy centers. I suppose you then have three pro-life figures who are attacked as well. A senior official in the threat alert warned that going forward, we're concerned that grievances related to restricting abortion access in general could fuel a broader response. Last week in Buffalo, New York, attackers spray painted the slogan, Jane was here, so this we know. Now, out where we are, we're in the tri-state area in western Maryland, West Virginia and Virginia. There was a pro-life pregnancy center that was heavily vandalized. I believe it was attacked with a firebomb, and we actually had a reporter go there and look at it because it was only a few minutes away. The stuff hits close to home. It was the day that this guy got arrested. I believe it was the morning of. Uh, the, the, the morning this guy got arrested. Later that night, we received a credible threat here at Timcast and were forced to evacuate the building. Many people keep saying we're getting swatted because they don't know what a swatting is. Now, People, I, I got to break this down for you. That night, it was a credible threat. We requested the police response. Many of the swattings that we've endured and uh, been subjected to aren't there. After the first swatting at our main property, we had police show up, put your hands in the air. After that, the police respond because we ask them to. People seem to think that the cops keep kicking our door down. No, getting swatted is people make the phone call. They, they lie to the police and the cops say, we're going to do a sweep just in case. We have, uh, I, I have other properties that have been swatted. And I'm, I, I've not said this before, but tenants, 
Not me. I don't live there. Of a property I own have been swatted. Fortunately, they've not been there when they've occurred. But this is insane. We've had, we've had you know, a dozen officers with rifles coming. But at this point, they all understand what's going on. When Kavanaugh's was, was, life was, was, put, was threatened by this guy who was uh, actually trying to kill him, that night we received, we received a credible threat. And I said, look, we live relatively close to Brett Kavanaugh. We do. I said relatively close. And so I said, we have to take it seriously. The suspect has now been indicted. They say Nicholas Rosk was arrested outside of Kavanaugh's home in Maryland, uh, in Maryland on June 8th. He now faces life in jail if convicted. And of course he will be. He confessed. Prosecutors say Ross traveled from California to Kavanaugh's home in Chevy Chase, Maryland, with the intent of killing Kavanaugh. Not just that. He wanted to kidnap him. Ross pulled up near the home in a taxi shortly after 1 a.m. on June 8th, carrying a suitcase with a gun and ammunition, a tactical chest rig with pepper spray, and a knife, a flashlight, a laser, a thermal monocular, and other burglary tools. I mean, this guy was, was ready to go. Federal officials have said Ross said he purchased the gun to kill Kavanaugh, and also planned to kill himself. He was arrested by police in Montgomery County, Maryland, after he called 911 and told police he was near Kavanaugh's home and wanted to take his own life. Rosk faces life in prison. Just an hour before, the suspect flew into D.C. from California, taking a taxi directly to the conservative jurist's home. Well, just an hour before. He soon backed off the plan, however, putting a call into cops at roughly 1.40 a.m., that saw him confess his desire to kill the judge as well as himself and asked for psychiatric help. That's crazy. We're lucky this guy had that moment of clarity. Officers promptly arrested Rosk outside the residence, finding him with a disturbing arsenal of weapons. He told cops he purchased the equipment for the purpose of breaking into the, into the, residence, uh, into the residence and killing the justice as well as himself. Rosk told police he was upset by a leaked draft opinion. So let's make this very clear. Ruth sent us the activist organization that helped people find this place, helped people find this home, holds the same ideology as this guy. This guy was motivated by their protest, by their claims and what they wanted. And he took to the next level. Now, the police are still refusing to enforce the law. This is the, this is the scariest thing to me. We talked about a poll last night with Dennis Prager. Another poll has come out showing that half this country believes a civil war is coming. I don't know when, but within our lifetimes. How could you assume anything else? Maybe the older generation isn't paying attention. And they don't know because they don't follow the news. But right now, when you see that the federal government will not enforce the law, oh, they'll send a dozen agents to look at a garage pull rope, but they won't enforce the law against, uh, against these activists who are breaking the law, who are committing federal crimes. Well, then it stands to reason we are dangerously close towards to, uh, dangerously close to some kind of civil war because what precipitated the initial civil war, the first civil war in 1860, 1861, was that the law was not being followed by half the country. There was a moral divide. Abortion, I'm sorry, slavery. Today it's abortion. Today it's abortion, but also many other issues. You had in in the 1860s, people like John Brown walking up to a slave owner and blasting him in the face, killing him. Today, you have the pro-abortion group setting fire to these organizations and threatening people with an escalation of terrorism. Now, maybe we're not at that point 
where someone's going to walk up to someone and shoot them in the face. But I think we could be. More importantly, we're at the point where in the 1860s, the South said the North is not adhering to the law. And because they aren't, we do not feel that there is a union at all anyway. If the left is committing acts of terrorism, blatantly violating the law, and the federal government, DOJ, says we encourage more of this, then I think it's fair to say we're reaching that point where people are going to lose confidence. They're going to say there's no system. You just have one political faction in a civil war who's claiming to represent law enforcement, but not actually doing it. In which case, eventually, the right may view federal law enforcement as just partisan actors of Antifa or the Democratic Party. And then what are you going to do? You're going to, if Antifa comes to your house, I mean, literal Antifa and black masks and bangs on the door and says, get outside and get on the ground. You're going to do it. What happens when people say there is no, no longer law enforcement? This is where we're at, my friends. But hopefully things get better after the midterms. I'm not entirely sure they will. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. The boot is coming crashing down on CNN and you love to see it. We're now learning that the new boss over at CNN is on the verge of firing Brian Stelter and that the network is no longer allowed to use the phrase the big lie. The big lie refers to Donald Trump's claims about election fraud. The new boss apparently is saying that's a Democrat slogan or talking point and we shouldn't be using it. Previously, we heard the new boss was doing away with the term breaking news because on CNN, everything is breaking news. What I think is the breaking news here is, you know, a lot of you probably don't care about Brian Stelter. You don't watch him. You probably don't care all that much about CNN. You don't watch it. We know that they lie. And and I'll be I I try to be as fair as possible. CNN.com has some decent reporting. I have to fact check it to make sure it's good. Somehow they're certified by NewsGuard, but sure, whatever. I know they have a lot of bad reporting, too. But their cable channel personalities are some of the worst. It is pure sophistry. It is lies, manipulation, fake news. Well, Brian Stelter may be on his way out. Reliable sources on CNN draws lowest ratings since 2019. And take a look at this. John Nicosia says source Stelter is down to weeks, if not days left at CNN. They go on. He is everything that reminds the new owners of the Zucker era, and they desperately want to get past. They continue. Management is confident Stelter is the one sharing the internal pushback to fellow media reporters while simultaneously stirring discontent within the ranks. Ah, it's the end of an era, my friends, and the beginning of something new. Well, let's talk about what's going on at CNN, but I want to show you something first. You know, I'm preparing this segment. I think it's big news that Brian Stelter is about to get terminated and that the network here, let me show you the headline real quick. CNN boss Chris Licht latest crackdown banning the staff from calling Trump's election fraud claims the big lie because it's a Democratic Party catchphrase. I saw that and I said, wow, the big story here is we're taking over. Let me tell you, my friends, over at TimCast.com, we had a we had a meeting, editorial meeting or a conversation about whether to use the terms pro-life or pro-abortion. And I said, I'm sorry, pro-life or pro-choice. And I said no to both. They're political terms. If we're referring to a specific protest where someone is in opposition to abortion, they're anti-abortion. If someone is in favor of abortion, they're pro-abortion. I'm not playing these games. What does pro-life mean? Well, obviously, in the political sense, 
It's meant to be like, we want the child to live. And I'm like, sure. But if you're a protester, they're specifically addressing opposition to abortion. You're anti-abortion. That's it. It, Pro-life. What is that? Death penalty. What does that mean? Right. Pro-choice. Well, you're certainly not uh, pro-choice when it comes to vaccination. So I'm not going to use your political terms. You're pro-abortion. You're there to support abortion, period. Now, it's fascinating to see Chris Lick's taking a similar approach when it comes to the phrase, the big lie. We don't say that. I think Trump is wrong, but we don't say the big lie because it's a Democrat Party catchphrase. I'm going to show you some. That's all, all thanks to you. As Brian Stelter is on the way out, looks like the Earth cam just flipped on me. But uh, let me see if I can. Uh, let's do this. This is Times Square. And we'll grab this here. South view over at Times Square. Did they really do this to me? Come on, you guys. So I had the, t- uh, the Times Square pulled up showing the, uh, the billboard that we have. But apparently, OK, here we go. You can see it on this one. So here's what I wanted to show you. Down here, okay, you can't actually see it just yet. There you go. Right here in the bottom left, it's an advertisement for Timcast with Michael Malice, a big 40-foot Michael Malice. Right next to it, you can't really see it. You can see it on the other camera, but they changed angles, is a vinyl billboard. Here you can see good Sir Ian Crossland from Timcast IRL. I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this, and uh, I wanted to give you just some, some good news, you know? Some other billboards appear. You know, Daniel Craig is on the billboard. That's how the digital ads work. Here's what's happening. The corporate press is dying. In fact, let me show you this. In the ad with Michael Malice, you can see they got a parlor ad popping up there. Michael Malice is quoted as saying, the corporate press gives you the narrative. Timcast gives you the news. And I thought that was a great quote. We decided to put it up on a billboard and get Michael Malice up there. Take a look at this. TV Newser, June 7th scoreboard, Tuesday. Ah, yes, Tuesday. I think we did, you know, it, it, it's hard to uh, compare primetime cable with a live stream show, but I can keep it simple for you. Let's just go straight by the numbers. CNN's Jake Tapper gets 107,000 in the key demo. Blitzer gets 170,000. Anderson Cooper gets 189,000. Remarkable. During our show, we get around 200,000 in the key demo just during the show. Afterwards, people watch at their own leisure. We end up with between 350 and 400,000 on YouTube alone in the key demo. Double what CNN gets. Then on the podcast platforms, we get another 100,000 or more. Maybe 110 or, or 120. Then we have clips. But out, let's leave the clips out of it. Just those shows alone, and we're getting almost triple in the key demographic what CNN gets. Now, shout out to Tucker Carlson. He's getting 526. So comparable, if not slightly better than us. Plus, he's got clips that get millions of views. So Tucker's doing great. Fox News Channel is doing really well. But take a look at MSNBC. MSNBC is abysmal. Look at that, 196. Wow. MS Prime couldn't even get over 100,000 in the key demo. And Rule at 11 p.m. only got 83. Don Lemon did better than that. Now, when we take a look at the total viewership, you can see that CNN, okay, CNN's total viewership is comparable to ours. You got Anderson Cooper getting 642,000. All right, all right. You got Chris Hayes getting 1.165 million. Now, this is fascinating. Take a look at this. Hayes in the key demo, 100,000. Hayes of all viewers, 1.165. I think the times there are changing, my friends. I think what we're seeing is the key demographic rejects 
these leftist narratives. CNN can barely muster any viewers at all. MSNBC gets 90% of its viewers who are over. What is, what is it? 55 years old? 55 and older. You know what that means? 20 years. You are going to see something dramatic. If young people are more like us, and they are. Now, I also think it could potentially mean civil war. And that's because, according to the SPLC's uh, survey, young people are more likely to support revolution and political assassination. Yikes. But here's the story. As I showed you already, Brian Stelter's on the verge of being terminated. But this is what's happening within the ranks at CNN. CNN's new boss, Chris Licht, has ordered staff to stop using the phrase the big lie. The word is a popular one for the network, according to Mediaite. The phrase has been said 168 times in the first half of June alone. Hosts like reliable sources Brian Stelter are often fond of the phrase to the point where they use it prominently in graphic packages and chirons. Oh, I am just so excited to see this man be fired. Please, Chris, terminate this man. He's not a newsman. He's a sophist, a fake news purveyor. He is duplicitous. Licht has ordered Stelter and other journalists to stop and has suggested Trump's election lie or election lie as possible replacements. He issued the edict days after warning staff over their incessant use of breaking news graphics on stories, which he said was melodramatic and ultimately diluted the power of big stories when they did break. That's the funny thing. CNN would be like, breaking news, a cat stuck in a tree. And then you get breaking news. Someone just tried to assassinate a sitting Supreme Court justice, and you'd think they were the same thing. Licht was asked to opine on the term during a conference call Tuesday with the network's management and the producers of various shows. They go on to show photos. They go on to say he allegedly said he preferred staff avoid it, though was uh, was clear in saying that this was not mandatory. A source said that Licht believes the specific phrase in the big lie, a reference to Hitler's Nazi propaganda efforts, is a democratic talking point. And it is. CNN has come under fire for moving away from its well-respected news coverage towards dreary opinion programming, where hosts on seven and eight figure salaries parrot woke talking points. Bravo, Daily Mail. Licht is also said to be keen to move the well-resourced network back towards neutral news coverage, with CNN hailed over its coverage of the Ukraine war and other big international news stories. CNN employees have suggested that the demand to stop saying the big lie was not met happily by people within the Atlanta-based network. Quote, it's worrisome that we're being told how to talk about one of the worst things that ever happened to American democracy, a CNN insider said to Mediate. Chris, fire this person, fire them all. You can save CNN. Actually, no, sorry. I'm, I'm going to take that back. Chris, I don't think you can save CNN. I mean, congratulations on the job. I think you're doing well so far. I don't think you can save this network at all. We have to call lies lies, whether they're small lies or big lies. Is there any bigger lie than that lie? Uh, Russiagate? Three years? Tens of millions of dollars? Come on. Big lie intelligence agencies, democratic operatives, you people are scumbags. So please, Chris, fire them all. But again, I don't know. I don't think you can save the network anyway. That insider suggested that Discovery Board member John Malone, now on the board of the network's parent company, who has been critical of Zucker, CNN's uh, former president, it seems to indicate where things are headed, they added. We didn't we didn't have this problem until John Malone was sitting on the board of the company. Oh, problem. Is that what it is? Oh, you know, you love to see it. Let me just reiterate that point, right? Let me see if we can uh, get back that big, beautiful view over in Times Square to show you. Oh, there we go. There it is. Look at that big old Luke Rydkowski. 
on one of the biggest billboards in Times Square. You can sit there and you can scream and cry and whine all about it. Oh, what's that? There's a big old Ian Crossland. He's his co-host over at TimCast. Luke, of course, recurring co-host. Michael Malice is one of our good friends and a guest on the show. And the reason I'm highlighting this is we are taking over and you are not the elites anymore, CNN. We get more views than you. You have destroyed your own credibility. It's your own fault. You turned yourselves into the orange, bad, orange man bad network. And here's what I see. I see people like me. I see the viewers, all of you. And we said, there's got to be something better and a better way than this. Thanks to your support by being members at TimCast.com, by watching these videos, we now have big, massive billboards in Times Square, establishing our presence to these cultural elites right above ABC News. So we can say to them, you are not the elite anymore. No, you can be terminated and fired and you deserve to be. A problem? It's a problem. A former producer at MSNBC's Morning Joe, and most recently with Stephen Colbert's Late Show, really. This is far from the first time Licht has tried to get the network to tone things down since he took the reins. Licht, as part of his efforts to revamp the outlet, has been evaluating news personalities and programs that became polarizing during Trump's presidency. You mean radicalized? You have radicalized TV hosts like Brian Stelter? Mm, fire him. Brian, make a YouTube channel. See how you fare. Those who fail to get on board the network's new priority to become less partisan could be terminated. Well, we know that's with uh, that, that's happening to Brian Stelter. Licht isn't reporting, reportedly looking to get rid of primetime personality programming, but he does want CNN's news staff to present information in a way that upholds the network's apparent values of unbiased reporting. Analysts allege this could prove problematic for network correspondents Jim Acosta and Brian Stelter, among others, who have become the face of the network's liberal shift. Licht wants to give the controversial personalities a chance to prove they're willing to uphold the network's values before casting anyone out. Specifically, he wants on-air talent, producers and bookers to make programming decisions that are focused on nuance and don't tarnish the CNN brand, which was once regarded as, quote, the most trusted name in news. Oh, that's long gone, buddy. Not the case anymore. He does not plan to change the tone of the network's primetime shows, but does want to ensure partisan voices don't dominate programming in a harmful way. They already do. Sorry. This would be a shift from the way former CNN president Jeff Zucker ran the network, which many argue allowed for the furthering of an anti-Trump agenda. Licht, who officially took over at CNN on May 2nd, also said in a recent memo that he agrees with criticism from people both inside and outside the organization that the banners are overused on TV. It has become such a fixture on every channel and network that is that its impact has become lost on the audience. We are truth tellers focused on informing, not alarming our viewers. Bro, you came from MSNBC and Stephen Colbert. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm surprised you're doing what you're doing at all. Because Stephen Colbert, you know, I'll put it this way. I mentioned this the other day a couple times. Right now, Joe Biden's approval rating, at last I checked, was 38.7 in aggregate. That means your largest market share, the average American, does not like Joe Biden. So why don't you come out and say, in today's news, Joe Biden says he's going to release more oil from the reserves. Did you hear this? Did you hear about this? 45 million. We use 20 million barrels a day. So it sounds like Joe Biden's doing a whole lot of nothing. It's not a joke. It's a serious point. If people don't like the guy, your opportunity is to mock him. But for some reason, they don't. They defend him. To who? 38% of the people in this country? It's almost like they don't care about running their business and attracting viewership. No, well, that's where this guy comes from. Licht said that CNN bureau chief Sam Feist 
has led a review to determine best practices for use of the breaking news label, blah, blah, blah. Both fans and critics of CNN embraced the move and remarks on Twitter, with many journalists tweeting word of the uh, word of the change with the joking label breaking news. I look forward to seeing Brian Stelter be terminated. He's one of the worst. He's a guy who said on TV not to watch Fox. Don't watch Fox News. They're propaganda. You also had it may have been Tapper or Cuomo. I'm not sure which one. I think it might have been Cuomo saying you can't read the WikiLeaks leaks, leaked emails because, you know, it's 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 illegal or whatever. He's like, we're we're allowed to because we're journalists. It's a lie. These people are lies. It's what they do. This is what CNN is. These people need to go. Now, I don't know if you can save this network. I honestly don't think you can. But maybe to be fair, maybe if they take some legitimate actions, start reporting on actual news again, then people may actually say, OK, I'll watch For the time being. When I want to watch news, I'll put on America's newsroom on Fox News and the left has Wolfwood Fox News are liars. You can complain about Tucker Carlson all day and night. That doesn't change that Brett Baer and, you know, Bill Hammer, America's newsroom. They do an all right job. Foxnews.com. They do an all right job. You want to play these games. You want to lie, cheat, and steal. Don't be surprised when your ratings tank and nobody watches you. And this is exactly what it is. Brian Stelter should be fired for more than just being a partisan shill. New York Post reports, Stelter's show logged just 580,000 last Sunday and a mere 73,000 viewers in the all-important key demo of 25 to 54. Hmm. Our viewers are actually 18 to 54. How about that? The show lost 13% of its total audience, and it marked Stelter's smallest audience since September 15, 2019. Media Buzz, which airs at the same time on Fox News, averaged 1.4 million total viewers with 189,000 in the key demo, crushing Stelter's show, which has been under a microscope, microscope since Chris Licht took the helm. And they go on to mention, you know, maybe we got to fight this guy, get rid of him, huh? Jim Acosta and Brian Stelter. The funny thing is that Jim Acosta is actually older than Brian Stelter, which is kind of crazy. We'll see how things go. We'll see if, if it plays out the way, you know, we think it will. But don't worry, everybody. Don't worry. Don't worry. We got this story from the Hill. New CNN chief is not planning large layoffs at the network. Okay, this is May 5th. He said this. All right, everybody, you calm down. Chris Lick said this is an organization that has, that, that has had a gut punch after gut punch after gut punch. You know, so... Uh, it was asked about layoffs. Most of the organizations out there wouldn't have survived. Let's have some fun with it. Let's try some things. But my intention is to have a show ready to launch in the fall at nine o'clock. Okay. Okay. No major layoffs. He said, all right. All right. All right. All right. We got this report from TV. Uh, uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Here it is from TV Newser. CNN begins laying off CNN plus staffers following shutdown May 24th. Ah, so 19 days later. When he's like, it's not going to be big layouts, no, none of that. He then goes and lays off 23 staffers. <laughs> All right. Now, we know CNN Plus was shutting down. So, of course, it, it, we can assume they're going to lay people off, right? But no, 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 he said no layoffs. You may be saying, well, maybe he didn't mean CNN Plus. Well, hold on. Many of the people working for CNN Plus worked for CNN and just moved over. Could you imagine that? Imagine you're like an editor and they're like, how would you like this tremendous opportunity? You know, your boss comes in and he's got his mug and he's like, John. How would you like a tremendous opportunity to move up? We're launching CNN Plus. We're going to move you over from TV producer to digital producer. We'll pay you a little bit more money. This is the future. And you go, well, okay, I'm on board. And then not even three weeks later, you're fired. Amazing.
They say, it is unclear how many people are affected in total, but approximately 23 staffers in CNN's Hudson Yards offices were told today that their positions were being eliminated. Another source confirmed that layoffs had occurred, but noted the company is still trying to place those impacted CNN staffers in other positions around CNN. So not everybody's getting the boot. I don't think you're saving this thing. CNN Plus was an unmitigated disaster. One of the worst media blunders in history. Imagine thinking, nobody likes watching these shows. Maybe they'll pay us to watch them. That to me is absolutely incredible. Let me tell you, my friends. My friends, when uh, 10 years, in, in 10 years, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News will not exist as you know them today. And that's why CNN Plus tried launching. The reason is, their viewership is overwhelmingly in their late 60s. I think the average age is like 68 or 69 years old. I mean, truth be told, that means three to five years for the average life expectancy. So maybe, maybe so we'll say 10. When these people pass on and there's no one left to watch this, and then the wealth that these people had is inherited by their children, well, things are going to change. Now, I don't know if all those viewers will come to a place like Timcast. I'm not entirely convinced they will. You have many more choices these days. But I can tell you that I am eternally grateful for all of your support, that we can challenge the elites the way they do. I'm proud to say that we got Luke Ritkowski, Michael Malice, Ian Cross, and up on a big old billboard in Times Square, the way it should be. CNN's out. We are taking over. And it's about time. We must bring balance to the news media. We must fix so many of the problems created by these big corporate outlets. And we are striving for that every single day. So if you are a member at TimCast.com supporting our journalists, you have my eternal gratitude for everybody who watches these videos and helped make this possible. I think you and I agree it needs to happen. And not just with me, but with people like Sticks Hexenhammer, with people like Steven Crowder, even Crystal Ball and, uh, and Kyle Kalinske, bringing back a real good faith attempt at addressing these issues. Now, you know, we're mostly pundits, so... I, I will say for those other people I mentioned over at TimCast.com, we have journalists reporting fact-based news, and that's our goal. We will displace and we will take over, and we are. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.